Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we recognize that we are in your presence. And for that, we are thankful. Because were we to gather in this place today and you not be here, Uh, We would simply be singing songs, playing instruments, lifting up our voices, and have no expectation of anything eternal happening. But thank you, Lord, that you're here in our midst. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. I know that for many of us, our hearts are heavy. We lift up our dear friend Jeannie. Today, and we think about her and her family and the loss of her mom. We think about Miss Lottie today. We lift her up to you. Lord, we think about our friend uh, Donna and Lyle Watson. We lift them up to you. So many, Lord. I could go down the list of those that just need a special touch from you today. And Lord, if we were honest and we had that list in front of us, no doubt all of us in this room would want our name on that list. Our name to be brought to your throne, to your mind, to your attention. So Lord, I pray this morning that you'd speak to our hearts. Would you remind us what this moment in time, these moments in time that we have today are all about. And would you speak to our hearts? And we will give you thanks for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open to Psalm 95. Uh, Last week we started uh, a series on this idea of worship, and we'll be looking at that over the next few weeks. Uh, And then uh, very, very soon Easter will be here. I know some of you said it doesn't feel like Easter because it was 30 degrees outside. It feels like wintertime and Christmas is coming back. Uh, But I promise you Easter's on the way and then summer and then we will uh, get back to Christmas. The days are flying. Uh, But as you uh, turn in your word today, I want to just encourage you uh, that we have a great opportunity among us this morning. And I hope that... uh, We will take advantage of these moments that God has given us. Psalm 95, here's what it says. We read a few of the verses as our call to worship this morning, but I want to read to you the entire psalm that David has written for us. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him. With music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. 
Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Today, if only you would hear His voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me. Though they had seen what I did for 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. May the Lord please, Lord, bless the reading of your word today. David starts this psalm with an interesting verse. It's... uh, the, the wording that he uses is really a call to worship. Now, we have from time to time, we had one this morning. Sometimes in our worship services, we'll have something where we say it's a call to worship. It may be a reading of a scripture. It may be a, a song, a hymn. But David starts this psalm by calling us to worship. It's an invitation to worship. And by the way, I would say to you and I, that when we get this privilege, this opportunity to worship, it is an invitation from God to come into His presence. It's not like, okay, here I am, God. I know you're waiting on me to get the party started. No. God is the audience. God is the star of the party. And He is inviting us to come into His presence together. That's actually why we are gathered here together today. And we talked about this a little bit last week. I know that sometimes, if we're honest, if I'm honest, I gather maybe because there's a particular song that we're going to sing, or there's a particular this or that, or whatever. But really, the attitude of my heart should be the main reason that I am gathering is to come and to worship Jesus Christ. He is the audience. I know that I'm on the platform, and our choir and musicians were on the platform, and Anna this morning was on the platform, and all of you are looking up here as if we are the audience. But the audience this morning is our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ. He is our audience. When, he, when we leave today, the only person whose opinion really matters about what happened is Him. Because he's invited us into his presence, not to uh, hear a singer, not as great as the fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ is, and that's a part of it, not just to see our friends alone, and not to come and to uh, spectate, but worship is a participatory, it's participation, it's, a, it's a, like a contact sport, it's active. We can't be passive in worship, that's kind of two, doesn't go together. And so David says, come... Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but I I didn't do too well in English in school. Uh, But that word come is a command. And David has actually written this to say the Lord himself, and we talked about this last week, the Lord looks to and fro across the earth searching to find those to support those whose hearts are completely his. He said it this way, Jesus said it this way to the woman at the well last week, John chapter 4. He said, the Father is worshiping or is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and truth. The Father is seeking worshipers. So God is... Offering us the invitation, but David here is saying, come, it's a command, not to come to a physical place, come to crossroads. I don't know if you've, we, we need to get maybe some bumper stickers that says come to crossroads. The only problem is if you're not going to crossroads and you're going to Bilo and people follow you, 
then they'll be wondering, what, what is this? It's an invitation to come, but it's not to a place. It's to come into the presence of the Lord. And he says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout. There are a lot of things that you can do in worship, by the way. I know this scares some of us, especially those of us who brought up Southern Baptist. I was brought up Southern Baptist. We're all right with the singing, but when you start talking about shouting before the Lord, tone it down a little bit. Don't get all Pentecostal. But David tells us we can sing before the Lord. We can shout before the Lord. We can weep before the Lord. When you, when you hear the songs that we were singing this morning, in Christ alone, thank you for the blood, I could not help but just start crying and weeping, thinking about all that God has done for me. How can I not come into His presence with an attitude of worship? I don't know how David felt when he wrote this psalm, but he's, he's encouraging us to... Sing and to shout. Why? If you remember, Jesus said something very interesting. We're going to talk about this in a few weeks as we approach Easter when the religious leaders asked Jesus, Hey, could you please get your followers to shh? Could you get them to quiet down? They're, they're giving you too much praise and adoration. What did Jesus tell those religious people? Check it out, Luke chapter 19. He said, If they don't cry out in praise to me, the very rocks will cry out in praise to me. Now, when I was growing up in youth group and we went to youth camp, our worship leader at youth camp, there was this song. You, most of you won't know this song, but there was this song called Ain't No Rock. And the song basically was, Ain't no rock gonna cry in my place. As long as I'm alive, I'll glorify His holy name. And there was all these emotions to it, Ain't No Rock. There should not be a rock. We should be concerned that the rocks... And the trees will crowd and praise to God if we don't. And David says, that's the presence that you're coming into, the presence of God. You can shout and you can sing and you can come before him. But who is this person that we come before? Well, he tells us, the very first verse, is the rock of our salvation. Come, let us sing for joy. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And when we come before Him with thanksgiving and music and song, which are a couple of elements of worship, we'll be talking about others over the next few weeks, but when we come before Him with music and song, we can enter into His presence and sing. And what happens when we do that? We're encouraged. Why do we do that? We worship God. We get the opportunity to worship God. That's who God is calling to worship us. He says, come let us. And He actually says this three or four times in this song. Come let us worship. He's calling out for us, the people of God, to come and worship. But why should we worship God? Well, he gives us some great reasons to worship God. In verse 3, he says this, For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. Those words there, great, great King and great God, could be described, maybe more of our modern vernacular might be the word awesome. Huge. Awesome. You may remember that song, Our God's an Awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Sing it with me. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns. 
from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. He is. He's awesome. He's huge in His majesty and magnificence. And that's one of the reasons that David says you should worship Him. He's great. He's the great God. He's the great King above all gods. He's magnificent. He's indescribable. We can't even begin to describe words. The words that we use are minuscule when we think about how we would be able to describe how great and how awesome God is. But he also uses this word. He said, he's the great king above all gods. And what he's talking about there is not only is he great in his majesty and his awesomeness, but he's great king, which means he's a great ruler. Which means the buck stops with him. Which means he's in charge. Which means when all of life out there looks like it's careening out of control, guess what? God is not worried. God is not fretting. God is not sweating. He is huge. He's awesome. And he's the ruler of the world. Even though it doesn't look like it sometimes. He's huge. He's the owner. He's the creator. And he tells us about this. He describes, David begins to describe how majestic and how much of a ruler he is and how incredible he is. He says this, In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. Even looking on that slide at the mountain peaks, the mountain peaks are beautiful. North Carolina mountains, Colorado mountains, wherever you go, you look at those mountain peaks and you think, wow, that's incredibly beautiful, it's awesome. You know who owns that? My daddy. My heavenly father. He's the one who owns those. He's the one who cre- he is the one who created those. Those mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, David says in verse 5, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. So, he's awesome. He's a great God. He's a ruler. That's why we should worship. But then he gives us another reason in verse 6. He says he's worthy. He says, come again. He said, he said this a couple of times already in verse 1. He says, come, let us sing. Verse 2, let us come. Verse 6, come, let us bow down in worship. Are you getting an idea? David's trying to say, hey, come, let's worship him. Let us worship him. He says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Why would we do that? Because he's worthy. He is worthy. Really, he's saying this, to come into God's presence and to not recognize how worthy he is, which worthy means worth-ship. To not recognize, which is where we get worship from, to come into his presence and not recognize how worthy he is, to not want to worship him is really a contradiction of ideas. How can we come into the presence of someone so holy and so awesome and not want to kneel down and worship him? It's almost like if there was some famous person, I hesitate to use any political figure because most of them, none of us would bow down in front of because they've lost our trust and their position means almost nothing nowadays. But if there was someone, maybe way back in another era, another era that was just so important that if they showed up at Crossroads, we would just, wow. You know, you watch in England and you watch when they would do that before the Queen and Kings and past centuries and they would kneel down in the in the presence of that person the idea here that David is trying to convey to the Hebrews this this idea of worshiping 
could not be pulled apart from the idea of bowing. They, they went together. For you to think about worshiping was immediately to think about bowing. I want to I ask you to do something this morning. If you're physically able, if you're physically able, can you slide out of your seat and kneel down before the presence of the Lord? Some of you aren't physically able, that's okay. If you're physically able, you may have to push the chair out of the way just a second. How's that feel? Father, we we kneel before you. Father, forgive me for coming into your presence with a flippant attitude sometimes that you're my best friend, you are my best friend, but you are holy and majestic and mighty and awesome and great and you're the ruler of the world. And we bow in your presence. We recognize how holy you are. And we worship you today, Lord. I pray you would allow us to see you for who you really are. And help us to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can get up if you can. The older I get, the harder it is to get up. For some of us, Maybe that's the first time you've ever kneeled in the presence of the Lord. It's the first time I've knelt in the presence of the Lord, honestly, in a while. And David is trying to say, when we come into the presence of Creator God, who is awesome and majestic and worthy, in Hebrew thinking, in His day, that, was, that did not... The idea of worshiping and not falling on your face before God. That, it, it, that was always what they mentally thought of. Because of the greatness and the awesomeness of God. I don't, I don't have to tell you this. You, you know this. You live in our world. The spirit of the self-made person is alive and well. I mean, today our philosophy, even, even in... Church ministry, unfortunately, is to climb the corporate ladder and get to the top and submit to no one. And the lack of respect for authority is just, it's, it's everywhere. We see children who don't respect their parents, students who don't respect their leaders. Not, it's not counting crossroads children, I know. But we see it, it's prevalent. And I'll just submit to you, how can... That generation, how can parents educate their children, our grandchildren, the next generation of people, if we don't help them understand that there is an authority higher than you, and His name is Jesus. And we freely get to kneel in His presence right now, but one day, the Bible tells us, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess He is Lord. So it's interesting that David encourages us, come, let us bow down in worship. 
Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Just so you know, just a personal pastoral aside here, I'm praying for more of those type of worship services that we have. Maybe you've never been a part of those services. I, I was as a high school kid and I was as a college student, not so much in my adult years. I wish I could say that they had happened with as much frequency as I've gotten older, but I get more stubborn and hard-headed and hard-hearted, just like maybe, well, all of us do, right? But I remember many, many times as a high school and college student going off to conferences and camps where you would walk into the room and the power of the Holy Spirit was so huge that the only thing that you could do is fall on your knees. I'm praying for those kind of services in our church. Because it's only the power of the Spirit of God that will change the human heart. Through His Word. And through what happens in times of communion with Him. That's why this was so important to David. That's why he started saying, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Why? Because He is our God. He, another reason we should worship Him is He's not only awesome and worthy, but He's personal. He's our God. He's your God. We are the people of his pasture, David says, the flock under his care. God is personally, intimately concerned with every single facet of your life. Maybe you showed up today and you have things going on in your life that you think nobody else knows about. And maybe most people don't, but I can tell you one thing, God knows. And you may think it's too minuscule too unimportant to bother him because he's the ruler and the king of the world, that he doesn't have time for you. I have some good news for you. He not only has time, but he cares about every single detail of your life because he's a personal God. And he loves you. And he wants you to cast those cares, as Peter said, to cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. He loves you. He's a personal God. We can hear his voice. We get to commune with him. And, and we know that we can hear his voice because David says after that, today if only you would hear his voice, we have the opportunity to hear his voice. Which The, the way that we hear his voice is numerous. We hear his voice through, through praise and worship. We hear his voice through the preaching of his word. We hear his voice as we commune in prayer. We'll talk about that next week. There are a lot of ways that we get to hear his voice which tells us, He is a personal God. It's interesting. I don't know if this ever happens to you on Sunday. But I can hear a sermon. Or I can preach a sermon. And the takeaway that you might have from what God said to you. Is totally different than the takeaway I have from what His Holy Spirit said to me. How in the world is that possible? We read the same verses of Scripture. And yet God will speak to you about some area of your life. It may not even be a part of the sermon. Has that ever happened to you? I've sat in a service where the preacher will be preaching. He may be preaching about hell. And, and all of a sudden, I, my mind's somewhere else. Or he may be preaching about heaven. And all of a sudden, I start thinking about hell. I mean, or whatever. That's the power of God through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. That He can personally, individually, as num- many uh, as there are in this room, as many people as there are in this room, He can individually, specifically speak to every single heart and meet every single need. Only God can do that. He's a personal God. He loves you. And He loves me. And He wants us to commune with Him. 
and to be able to worship with Him and to tune in and to hear His voice. So really, we, we could stop there and end the sermon because really David has kind of told us if you do these things and you recognize God for who He is, you have the opportunity to hear His voice. Church family, let me just say, that is a huge payoff, if I can use that word, to coming into worship. Matter of fact, that is what we want, right? We want to come into worship and to be able to express ourselves to God and to praise Him and honor Him, but we want to be able to hear His voice. Otherwise, why are we here? You're not here, I hope and pray to God Almighty, that you're not here to hear my voice. I hope you're here to hear His voice. And when we come into His presence, the great and awesome gift that He gives us when we come into His presence to worship is... He's going to speak into our lives and He's going to speak to us. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The same Creator God, the same Ruler, the same One who made the majestic mountains, who made the oceans, the same One who did all that actually wants to speak to me? Guess what? Yes, He does. Because He loves you that much. That's mind-blowing to me. That that God is the personal God that wants to tune in and speak to me. And to you. And that's why my prayer is, and I would ask you to pray along with me, that when we gather in times like this, my prayer is, God, please speak to us. I don't know about you, but I have other things on my agenda to get done this week that God wants me to do. We all do, we have busy lives. How can we afford to have one hour or two on a Sunday where we show up and we go through the motions of worship and God not speak to us? We don't have time to do that. We don't have time to waste to do that. That's why, as I shared with you last week, our worship team, our musicians, whoever's preaching, we spend lots and lots of time trying to discern and listen to God because we want God to speak to us during this limited time that we have. Oh, that we were not in the United States of America. Because we would not confine God to a one hour show up God. You got 59, 58, 57 minutes and we're on to the next thing. That's an American mindset. You know that I've told you before. Thankfully most of the time God does speak to us. There may come a Sunday coming up in the future. I don't know. Where we ignore the clock. Maybe we ignore the clock in worship or we ignore the clock in small groups. And we just say, for those that, were, that are hungry and wanting this, because some of you have asked me about this, where we just say, God, we're going to sit here and we're going to worship and we're going to praise and we're going to read your word till you speak to us. See, here's the problem. And I'm just being really vulnerable. Here's my problem. My problem is I am not desperate enough for God. That's my problem. I'm not hungry enough for God. That's my problem. True confession. Because if I was desperate and hungry enough for God, the clock would be irrelevant. And I watched some of my friends that some of you know this week who 
Joey and I and Gretchen got to spend some time with in Africa last year. We were supposed to go this past week. I can see why we weren't, why we, God did not allow us to go because they're in the middle of Cyclone Freddy and I'm watching these videos from Pastor Mark Zimbiri, our missionary there, and homes being swept away and I'm watching lives be destroyed and I'm also watching simultaneously almost to that happening, them praising God, trusting that he's still in control. Talk about desperation. When God's the only thing that you've got, your worship turns into a whole different level of worship. That's my problem. Maybe I'm not desperate enough for God. And what happens, David goes on to tell us, when we're, when we're not desperate for God, we're not hungry to worship God, something unfortunate happens. And what happens is all of a sudden... All of a sudden, our hearts get hard. And he tells us what happens if we don't worship God. What happens if our hearts get hard? And he refers back to the people of Israel. Because he says, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. He kind of gives a shout out from the Lord, speaking as thus saith the Lord, don't do this because this is what happened. Verse 10, for 40 years I was angry with that generation. They are people whose hearts went astray. What happened to those people? You remember they, God continued to answer their prayer and they continued to praise God. And then a few minutes later, they would, a few months later, a few years later, they would forget what God did. And they would, wah, wah. They would start complaining about what God did and God would take his hand off of them and they would just, it was a roller coaster ride. And David mentions two particular examples, Meribah and Massa. I encourage, I encourage you to research those two places. Those were two places that the children of Israel hardened their hearts against the Lord. And they tested Him and tried Him. Now I look back at that, I don't know what your perspective is, but I look back on that and I'm going, how in the world, I can't hardly fathom that these people that God brought His children like through situations like the Red Sea on dry land, and he miraculously did that and brought them across the river and brought them across the sea, those same people started complaining about God. Now, how is that possible? And then I think, how many Red Sea moments have happened in my life where God's done something miraculous and how quickly I forget? So the consequences, David says, of us failing to worship God is a couple of things. Let me give them to you as we wrap up. Here's the first one. It's at the end of verse 10. He says, there are people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So the first thing that happens when we don't worship God is we will not know his ways. There'll be a lack of knowledge concerning the ways of God. And one of the reasons that we worship together, one of the powerful benefits, if I can say it that way, of worshiping together is God speaks to us, we hear His voice, and He gives us His ways. He tells us what to do. He tells us how to live. He gives us an answer maybe on some struggle that we're facing or direction or guidance that we are needing. And David is saying, if you fail to worship God, one of the things that's going to happen is you are not going going to know the ways of God. That's one reason 
church family, you are going to hear me till God calls me to leave this place. You're going to continually hear me beating the drum of telling you how important this time is that we gather together and how important it is that we gather together in small groups. God reveals himself. The discipleship-making pathway for most churches and the discipleship-making pathway for Crossroads is coming together collectively in worship and breaking up into smaller groups and, and having yourselves held accountable and to grow and to share and to pray. That's God's discipleship pathway. And so what David is saying is, if you exclude yourself from those moments, you are not going to know the ways of God. It's a guarantee. Don't get mad at me. This is not Jack telling you this. This is what God's Word says. If we neglect those moments, we are not going to know the way of God. We're going to be wandering. What do I do? What do I do? What? And I see churches all over North America that are doing that. What do I do? What do I do? And God's kind of going, if you would just spend time with me, I'll tell you what to do. But they're so busy doing everything except for worshiping God, except for communing with God, that they don't know what to do. And the, and the younger generation that we want more of in this building, so that Crossroads 100 years from now is still a church, and still a lighthouse and a beacon in this community, they watch churches like that all over America happen where people are walking around not knowing what to do, what to do. And they're like, well, I don't want to be a part of that. I wouldn't want to be a part of that either. What do I want to walk around with a bunch of people who say they know God but are walking around like lost people? Who wants to be a part of that? Nobody. Right? So when we come together, when we get the opportunity to come together and worship together, David says one of the great things that's going to happen is you are going to know the ways of God. That's why this is so important. It's not so you can hear from Pastor Jack. It's not so that you can go, wow, I got perfect attendance. That's not it. It's so that we can hear the voice of God when we worship. But here's the other thing that he says is going to happen. If we don't worship God. Verse 11, I declared on oath in my anger that they shall never enter my Rest. Now we know who he's talking about right there. He's talking about the children of Israel who were so rebellious in spirit, they were not allowed to enter the promised land, right? But how many times do you and I miss the opportunities of rest that Jesus affords to us because we're so busy doing everything in our own strength and our own effort that we're not resting in the presence of God? Maybe that's only true of me. I don't know about you. I want to know the ways of God. I want to know what God wants us to do, what he wants me to do, what he wants my family to do, what he wants our church to do. I want to know those things. I'll tell you another thing that I want really desperately, and you probably do too. I want to know the rest of God. Just to be able to rest in God's presence. And a true worshiper. David says, gets to enjoy the rest. A true worshiper gets to enjoy the rest of God. A true worshiper will get to experience knowing God's ways. So really, here's the question. Are you a true worshiper? Are you ready to worship? Jesus said it this way to the woman at the well. You remember John chapter 4. Last week we looked at it. Jesus said to her, you cannot worship what you don't know. What's scary to me, 
And I only say this to you, church family, because I love you. And I only say this to you because I will be held accountable to the Lord for how I led us as a church family. And so I'll say it this way. It it scares me. And I, I don't know the heart of every person in this room. It's impossibility. There's no way for me to know that. But I know around the country and churches around the country, there are people who sit in services like this every week. And they listen to songs and they hear a preacher preach. And they may or may not worship. Now, I can't know your heart, so I don't know. But here's what I do know by what God's Word said to us last week and what He says to us this week. You can't worship what you don't know. And David's invitation to, to us is my invitation to you. Come. Come, let us worship. But I want you to be able to worship what you know. And if you don't know Jesus personally, because he's a personal God, then the first thing you have to do to be able to worship is you have to know him. And I'm not talking about as great as it is to be a part of a church family, having your name on a roll and filling out a card and being baptized and all those things are great. Those happen after you give your life to Jesus. And if you haven't done that today, it's really simple. We, we have complicated this even in church life that we make it sound like, well, you, put, you, you come down the aisle, you can, but you don't have to. You shake the preacher's hand, you can, you don't have to. You fill out a card, you can do that, but you don't have to. The way that you and I worship Jesus, the way that you and I give ourselves to Jesus is simply re- recognizing what we've sung about this morning. Thank you for the blood. Because it's in Christ alone. I bring nothing valuable to the table. God, because of his goodness and his awesomeness and his worthiness, has said to me, you know what? I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to be able to hear my voice. And the way I want you to be able to hear my voice, because of sin that came into the world, the only way that you'd be able to hear my voice is for me to be able to send my son, who was perfect and holy, as a ransom, to pay the debt that you couldn't pay. Jesus didn't owe the debt, I owe the debt. And Jesus died on the cross, taking away all my sin and shame, and paid the debt because it was in Christ alone only that that could happen because he lived a perfect life. And because of his sacrifice on the cross, I can say to Jesus, I accept that gift, I receive that gift, I thank you for the blood, I thank you for that gift, and I want to know you, Jesus. It's that simple. If that's you this morning, we're going to sing a closing song in just a moment, an invitation hymn. Anna and the musicians are going to lead us. And if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I, I need to know what I worship. I come in here on Sunday and I sing songs, but I don't really know who I worship. You know what? This would be an incredible Sunday to receive that free gift from the Lord. Maybe this morning God's kind of tapped on your heart like he has mine this week and says, You know what? Are you really worshiping me or are you just going through the motions? Because I want to speak to you. Because I love you. I want to show you my ways. Because I want you to follow me. I want to give you my perfect rest and my perfect peace. Because I'm a father who gives good gifts. Because every good and perfect gift comes from me. I don't know how God spoke into you this morning. He spoke into my heart even before the message. 
So would you stand with me and let's pray together. Father, as we wrap up our service this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom in this place and you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray for these friends in this room that I so, so desperately love. And God, you have a mission. You have a mission for Crossroads Baptist Church. You have a mission for each of us. But if we're not individually tuned into you, if we're not individually worshiping you, oh Lord, we're going to miss the mark. We're going to miss the opportunity to, to hear from you. So I pray you'd speak to us this morning. Friend, right there where you're standing, in just a moment, we're going to sing. Maybe you don't need to sing, maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to kneel. Maybe you need to come to the front. This altar's open. Maybe you need to grab someone's hand. Bring them with you. I'd love to pray with you or encourage you. Whatever God's laid on your heart to do, I pray you just obey Him. Obey Him this morning. Father, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Anna's going to lead us in this time of invitation. Come. Come, let us worship this morning. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.